My education transformed me. It gave me confidence in who I was. It allowed me to see that I had goals and visions and passions in life. It made me a stronger person. It made me believe more in myself and in my abilities and what I was capable of. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode of In the Know is about serving the new traditional student. It features a panel of James Elliott, the international president of the Phi Theta Kappa Honor Society and student at Delaware Technical Community College, Claire Guzman, former student at San Jose City College and University of California, Davis, and Rosie O'Neill, trustee at Northern Virginia Community College and ACCT board member moderating the panel. This episode was recorded at our most recent annual Congress in San Francisco. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see such a full room this morning. Um, so we're just going get, to get started. Connie did a small introduction. Those of you that have your books with you have a little bit more detail. But I'm going to ask the students to begin by talking a little bit about their personal roadmap. How is it that they arrived to where they are now? And then we'll get into some deeper questions. Does that sound good? Yeah. Great. All right. So, Claire, let me begin with you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here. Okay. So, my name is Claire Guzman. Um, I was born in Oaxaca, Mexico, and I migrated here to the U.S. with my parents at the age of five. Um, like many others in search of the American dream, uh, my parents wanted to provide a, a better life for me. Um, and I... I, I'm from here, the Bay Area. Um, I'm from San Jose. I grew up here. Um, and I, after graduating high school, um, I realized that for me, going to college was going to be a very tough road um, because I wasn't going to be able to get financial assistance because of my status. So I am a first generation college student and I am um, an undocumented uh, AB 540 or Dreamer student. Um, and back then in 2010, we still didn't have the California Dream Act. Um, and uh, I, when, I guess I, growing up I knew that I was undocumented and I didn't really realize how much uh, that would have an impact in my life and in my career until I started applying to colleges um, because I didn't qualify or wasn't eligible for the um, FAFSA application, which I didn't know previously. Um, and that was um, a big devastation for me to um, understand. And so ultimately, I um, chose to go to San Jose City College, um, which was my local community college. Um, and while I was um, at San Jose City College, I became involved um, in a lot of clubs. And one of the biggest clubs that they um, really helped me out was the Almas Club um, program. And that program is specifically for AB 540 students or undocumented students. Um, and they gave me the resource that I needed um, because when I was in high school, I feel like um, coming from a low-income public high school, I didn't get the, um, the guidance, and nobody really informed me um, the options that I had after high school for 
um, going to different kind of uh, college systems or just in general what I was able to do as a Dreamer student. Um, and so the ALMAS program helped me with guidance, with resources as a Dreamer student. And they also provided me with financial assistance, which was a big thing for me. Um, and when I first um, started San Jose City College, I did my assessment test and I was placed in two levels below college level math and one level below college level English. And that was really hard for me to, um, it was very shocking because I felt like going through high school, I've always gotten good grades and I felt like I was doing good. I felt like I was doing um, fine. I felt like I was a smart student. And then I came to community college and I realized that I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. Um, and when I started community college, um, I was a pre-med. Um, I started as a pre-med student. And I knew that as a pre-med student, I was gonna have to take a lot of science and math classes. And that was scary. <laughs> um, uh, math specifically was very hard for me growing up. Um, it was my least favorite subject. I always struggled in it. And knowing that I had to take all these math classes and I was already behind because I had to take two previous classes before I could take the college level math class um, was really hard for me. Um, but now after, I did end up taking up to six math classes. I took Calc 1 and Calc 2 and I did successfully pass them with an A class, uh, grade. Um, thank you. Um, it was tough. Um, I put in a lot of hard work and dedication and tears and stress that went behind that and my Calc 2 I did had to take it twice um, before I was able to pass it. But I feel like after, and even now that I say that I took those Calc classes, I was like, wow, like I did that. <laughs> um, it made me a stronger person. It made me believe more in myself and in my abilities and what I was capable of um, because I was able to pass these math courses that I didn't think was even possible for me. It made me believe that it doesn't matter that I'm a first generation student, that I am um, an AB 540 student. Um, I could still achieve all these goals that other students are able to do. And, it made me feel like I was able to um, achieve anything I put my mind into. Um, and I also had a lot of great mentors um, during my stay at San Jose City College who um, really believed in me. Um, and I feel like that was very important because as a dreamer, like um, I felt like not a lot of people expected for me to succeed and they didn't always see um, my abilities and what I was capable of and just having that person that um, believed that I could do it um, was a big motivation for me and it really helped me out a lot. Um, so I, I am very grateful for my mentors that I have who are still my mentors till this day um, that I gained from San Jose City College. And looking back at it now, like I'm I feel like going to San Jose City College was one of the best decisions I've made. Um, I, it did take me uh, 
four long years for me to transfer um, and with the help of my mentors and their guidance, I ended up transferring to UC Davis with full financial aid. Um, um, and transferring to UC Davis, like my first year was also a really hard experience. It was, a, it was hard to adjust my first year. Um, it was my first time going away from, um, being away from my family. Um, I didn't know anyone when I uh, got to UC Davis and um, I didn't live in the dorms so I got an apartment um, with four other girls who I didn't really know. Um, and it was just hard to adjust to this new environment. Um, the classes were definitely bigger. Um, it's harder to connect with your, t with your teachers when it's a big classroom. Um, and a lot of times I did feel lonely and um, my classes did get harder, so that was also challenging. And I did miss my family. Um, and uh, it was hard. Um, but at the end, like, I, I ended up uh, getting my bachelor's in science in psychology uh, with an emphasis in biology. Um, I graduated in spring of, in fall 2016, and then I came back home to San Jose, and then I started working at the district office, and I started helping with the San Jose Promise program, which I didn't mention before, but I was also part of when I was a student there. Um, and just working with community college students and working for this program that helped other students who were like my, who are like myself, who are first generation, who are um, AB 540 Dreamer students, who um, are minorities and who don't have the resource and the guidance. Um, it really made me um, realize that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so right now I'm doing my first semester at San Jose State University doing um, my master's program on counseling education. Um, so um, my goal is to be a community college um, counselor. Uh, I feel like my counselors at my community college had a huge impact in my life. And I feel like that's where I'm gonna be able to make a big change in students and uh, just better help my community in the education system because I feel like education is a ripple effect. When you educate a person, then they're able to um, become leaders and advocate for themselves and know how to help others. And they don't just better themselves, but I feel like they also better their family and the rest of their community. So yeah, that's, that's my story. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> that's such an inspiring story and it's one that so many of us can relate to and certainly our trustees. Let me turn to James and have you tell us a little bit about your roadmap and your arrival here today. Absolutely. So um, my name is James Elliott. Um, in 2011, uh, I made the worst mistake of my life. Um, I was arrested for my part as a gunman in a home invasion style robbery. Um, this is an act that today I am incredibly remorseful for 
and that um, motivates me to, to be a better person and to give back in, in life. So subsequently, I was sentenced to seven years in prison. And at that time, I was 19 years old. Um, the reality of the situation truly didn't sit in until moments like moments when I was in um, solitary confinement. I had been involved in an altercation, and I spent my 20th birthday alone in solitary confinement with nothing but my DOC clothes. You could have a Bible. Um, and in that cell alone, it became a true time of just disparity. Um, I was still fighting the, the fact that I had to change my life, fighting the fact that I was, I'd lost so many years of my life and that I was going to be there for so long. Um, and this incident where a birthday card that you guys might get for your birthday, that we get and we open it up and we just kind of, you know, it's nice, we read it and push to the side and forget about it. You know, a reality that set in for me was when that birthday card came. And because I couldn't have mail in my possession, the birthday card for my mom, imagine a small window on your cell door and then pushing it on the cell door for you to read it. And just the wanting and, and longing to hold that card um, to be a part of with your family that you couldn't be. And so in those times, I truly decided that I was going to change my life. Um, when I got out of solitary confinement, I started facilitating programs, um, giving back to others. I served as a GED tutor. Um, along with that, I started distant learning classes. Unfortunately, in Delaware at that time, they didn't offer uh, college courses, so I had to go through Ohio University. Um, and up until that point, I had not done well in school at all. I had failed my senior year. I had to go to summer school. I graduated summer school. Um, I went to Delaware Tech, my community college now. But I would drop out after the fourth week because that's when my parents would get their money back. So I wouldn't get in too much trouble. Um, so I really wasn't engaged in, in my education. Um, but those classes, you know, it was paper-based. I couldn't use the, the internet. I couldn't use a computer. Um, it was all through the notebook they sent me, the textbook I had, and pencil and paper. Um, but those times truly became times of transformation. My education transformed me. It gave me confidence in who I was. It allowed me to see that I had goals and visions and passions in life, something that I didn't have before um, going into prison. So education truly changed my life when I was um, incarcerated. And when I was released, I went back to Delaware Tech. And timing for me has been everything in my life. It seems like, you know, Everything is a purpose. Um, every, something good comes from something bad if, if you can turn it into it, if you have the motivation, determination to make that happen. So um, I enrolled at Delaware Tech. I took my first semester, and I got a 4.0 GPA. And I think And I can relate to the sense of when I took those courses at, at Ohio University, I wasn't so sure if, if they were really like college courses. Like, therefore, they're for prisoners, you know, are they watered down? I didn't know how I was going to really adapt. And coming out of um, prison, it's, I was in there for five and a half years, so I had been institutionalized. My whole life had been dictated for me. I had to do what they told me to do every time. And I've had the shell shock of, of, of being out in society. I remember the first time that I was actually left um, a facility. I went to a work release facility first, and that's another obstacle that I faced. I wasn't able to go to college at that work facility. So something that I had found myself in an education, um, the prison system denied me that avenue because they couldn't have security for me on campus. They wouldn't allow me to um, walk off site and not be monitored. So, but the first site that I went off campus was, or I went off, um, off the work release site was uh, to get an ID. 
And I, I know many of you might not know, but for someone who has been incarcerated for five and a half years, and they're told, you have two hours to take the public bus system to get to the DMV, and you know how the DMV is. You know, you have to navigate the DMV, you have to get an ID, you have to make it back. And if you don't make it back in time, you're going back over that fence to prison. So I can remember seeing that at that bus stop, just completely overwhelmed, scared. I hadn't ridden the public bus system before. I wasn't sure I was gonna make it. Um, but fortunately, I made that. So like, it's just those situations for individuals that are simple tasks, but for men and women that are incarcerated when they get out, it's, it's a mountain. That was a mountain for me to climb to get back that day, and fortunately, I did. So I did get a 4.0 my first semester, um, and with that 4.0, I was sent a little email, and that email was from Phi Theta Kappa. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but that was the turning point changing of my life. Uh, I talked to a, the chapter president, of, chapter president of my campus, um, and she encouraged me to get involved in the Honors in Action Project, which was looking at violence in the city of Wilmington. Wilmington is one of the, violence, the most violent cities per capita. Um, it's a smaller city, but it's extremely violent. So we wanted to debunk the myth and reality of, is it the media that's portraying the violence, or is it actually a violent city? And, that was right on for me. It was right into my passion and what I wanted to get involved with. So I got involved with that honors and action topic um, and ran with, ran with that. I picked up some leadership positions. Um, I ran for regional office and became a Delaware State President. Um, and in that year, in 2017, my life completely just went off. Um, being involved with Phi Theta Kappa allowed me to use that as a platform. You know, and in line, my gift of leadership, I was always a leader, but I was leading in the wrong ways. Um, I never used my leadership for the betterment of myself and others. So it gave me a leadership position, and I naturally saw that people gravitated to me. They wanted to be around me, they wanted to hear what I had to say, and they wanted to follow me. And then my passion for prison reform. You know, mass incarceration is a huge topic. Um, and bipartisan, actually, we, we agree on it. Both sides agree on it. Um, we've passed uh, federal bipartisan acts that have ch changed the criminal justice system. So I've been able to give me a platform to speak Phi Theta Captain, and I shared my story. Um, I also got involved in interning with the APEX program in Delaware, which is part of the expungements. Um, I did over 200 hours of that work, and um, that passion allowed me to have a platform outside the classroom, my success inside the classroom. Um, and I think it, it culminated, you know, I have so many things that I was able to accomplish that I'm so proud of with the help of my school and Phi Theta Kappa, but when I, was in when I was in prison in Delaware, I said, you know, you couldn't get, um, you couldn't, there were no college courses offered. If you're familiar with the Second Chance Pell Grant Act, it gave, it gave federal grants back to inmates. In 1994 it was stopped, 2016 it was brought back, and the administration has kept it going. So Delaware Tech is one community college in Delaware, um, and we could service initially the whole state. So that means every individual that is incarcerated could have access to higher learning. I made it my goal when I got out to, to try and get Delaware Tech, at least to get in front of my administration and say, this is something that we need to do. This is something that our school needs to get involved with. Um, and with the help of PTK, with the help of my staff and family um, at Delaware Technical Community College, I was able to meet with my college president. Um, he listened to me. We sat down with the DOC commissioner um, and then on September 17th, the closing date for the re-entry into the Federal Pell Grant Act, um, Delaware Tech submitted that act. And that's something that, to me, is really meaningful. It's, it's what you were saying. You know, you want to give back. You know, it's a ripple effect. You provide education for someone, you give them the opportunity to change, and you see how they can change the world as well. They change themselves for the better, and they change the world around them for the better. 
Um, just to close my story off, I'd like to give statistics if you're not aware of how education um, changes reentry. So reentry is coming back into society for returning citizens. Um, if you have a vocational degree, the national recidivism rate is near 80%. With a vocational training degree, which most of your colleges can offer, it drops to 37%. With an associate's degree, it drops to almost 13%. And with a bachelor's degree, it's almost 6%. And if they get a master's degree, a returning citizen gets a master's degree, their likelihood of going back to jail is zero. So there's an incredible power in this room right now as Board of Trustees um, on your campuses to decide what do we want to do. And I think, Dawn, you were, you were speaking about how the AACC wants to change um, higher learning. And this is one of those things. You have to be innovative. You have to be daring. You have to go against society standards. PTK changed their constitution in 2016, and I'm sitting on this stage right now sharing my story because their leadership was brave enough to do that. So I just kind of encourage you through my story to take that back to your campus. You know, we have this mass incarceration that's going on right now. Our prison system makes up 25% of the world's prison population, and we're only 5% of the world's prison population. So we have power. We can help change that. Um, and thank you for allowing me to share my story. Thank you. So both of you gave us an amazing perspective. Um, and I'm taking away a couple of themes from both of your comments. One is this notion that you were very oriented to self-actualize, to really meet some specific goals once you saw the opportunity and there was a connection. Um, and the second is that I noticed that both of you found a place of self-esteem, um, a real kind of click where you saw yourself really succeeding. I think, Claire, you made specific mention to that. And you know, the questions I was going to ask was about the hurdles, but you all have covered that. Before our session today, I asked the students to tell me what would they want to talk about that's not on our script. And we, we centered on this question about advice given to younger people. We have a new student trustee advisory committee. Several of those members are here today. And when I opened up the question to them yesterday or the day before at their committee, they came up with the same question. You know, what would I have wanted to know when I was younger? How can I connect with those individuals? What do our boards need to know about reaching into the community to bring you into opportunity? So let me, let me ask you the question that you brought up earlier, advice that you might give younger people. How do you connect with them? Um, um, Claire, let me start with you. Well, I, w I wanted to talk more about like the hurdles, but I, guess I feel like I didn't emphasize that enough too. Okay. That um, being a dreamer student, um, for me, when I started community college was really hard. And like I mentioned, um, it was when I was applying to college that I realized that college for me was probably not gonna be an option because I didn't have the financial assistance. And um, I feel like that was a big uh, devastation for me in my point. It was in my life. Um, it was really hard to understand that because I've had this certain status, I wasn't able to take the same steps as the rest of my classmates to um, go to college. Mm -hmm. And it was, I felt like a lot of frustration and a lot of um, 
at the same time, I was also very scared, and it was, I was very stressed because, um, because at that time, well, if you're undocumented, you don't really have a social security number. And if you don't have a social security number, then you can't get a job. And if you don't have a job, then you can't pay for college. And so it's like a cycle that, it's like where do you, um, where do you break that cycle to better your life? And um, for me, just I feel like as a dreamer and understanding that was very hard. I remember um, I have a friend who was going to a community college with me, and I remember her asking me, like, why are you going to college? And I didn't understand. I was like, what do you mean, why am I going to college? And she's like, because she was um, a dreamer too. And she's like, well, yeah, why are you putting all this hard work when at the end you're going to get a degree, but you're not going to be able to work because you don't have a social security number? And for me, that was hard. Mm. Um, and I think for me, it was the fact that I, even though my parents didn't go to high school, I mean, well, yeah, to high school and to college, um, they know the importance of higher education. And so I had that support from my parents that even though they didn't know the steps and the maze to go to college, um, they always reminded me that I had to get an education. And um, so I had that support from my parents. Um, but I feel like a lot of students who are first generation, sometimes they don't have that, especially because their parents don't understand um, what they have to do and you know just like the steps they have to take and just the challenges that they have to face and and that's that's something that i feel like now is also very important especially now um and at that point it was even shameful for me to say that i was undocumented or that i was a dreamer um, because in high school, I feel like what your peers say means a lot, and what society says about you means a lot. And I think it's important um, in not just in high school and in community college, but in, in all the school systems to remind students that there is nothing wrong with them being undocumented and that they also have the same um, rights and they have the same potential as all the other students. Yeah, they do have to work a little bit harder, but they could um, achieve whatever they um, set their minds to. And um, so for me, going to community college, I felt, I, this is something I feel like I've never really brought up, but it's something that just came to me. Um, I, at first I didn't want to go to community college, mainly because I felt like I was kind of stepping down. I was lowering my self-esteem and my expectations because also of the stigma that commu the community college have among my peers that if you're not smart enough or you're not good enough, then you go to community college. And I felt like I had worked so hard to earn the good grades and you know, like, get into um, the college that I wanted to go to, to a four-year university, because at that time, I really wanted to go to San Jose State. And I still remember till this day, 
um, the emotions and feelings that I felt of happiness when I got my letter of acceptance from San Jose State. And I remember having um, the conversation with my parents and they knew how much I really wanted to go to San Jose State. And they told me, if, you, if that's the school that you really want to go to, then we will make everything possible. Like we'll get a loan, we'll get an extra job, we'll make more hours. Um, but I knew deep inside me that I couldn't do that to my parents, um, that I couldn't put that extra financial burden because they were struggling as it was. Um, and that was a really hard decision for me to make at that time. And I feel like that's why it's also very important um, to have, you know, like all these support system. And I think it's also important to have not just that, but um, educate parents and help them also understand the right system. So advising students to continue to seek out opportunities yeah. and supports and, and then also how we might help parents better understand. And then back to your question, I mm -hmm. went off on, mm -hmm. um, back to your questions, I do often, um, because I've been so involved in higher education in the community college system, I often get asked from students, like, what is an advice that you would give to me? And for me, like, one of the biggest advice would be um, to get internships and get involved in the career system or in the career that you want to do. Because for me, when I started community college, um, I wanted to be pre-med or I started as pre-med. And I realized that I wanted to do that career because that's what my parents wanted me to do. But that wasn't necessarily what I was passionate about. And it wasn't until um, I transferred to UC Davis that I started doing internships and get, started getting more involved. And I realized that I did want to help better my community, but not through the um, medical field, but through the education system. And I think that's very important to, for students to also um, understand and get a sense of why they're still here community college. Right. So how does their experience inform where their passions and their calling might be? Mm -hmm. James, advice you would give? If you're looking at at-risk youth who are potentially going to end up in prison, um, a majority of them are living in a community where violence, drug dealing um, is prevalent. So for me, when I go back into a, a juvenile facility, you know, a lot of these kids are, are ice cold. You know, they, they, they're impenetrable. Um, and, I, and I see myself in them at that time. And I think if I could give them, and when I do talk to them and give them advice, is I try and identify their passion, like Claire was saying. Um, and, and some of them have some amazing passions. I, I was, we were talking about it before. You know, zoology came up a lot. And I, and I was just kind of like in awe in that situation, being in this juvenile facility, seeing these kids who, who are really tough and, and saying, you know, they, they, they want to be a zoologist. Um, so, I, for me, it was feeding into that passion. It was identifying the gift. I try to talk to you about that. Identify what your gift is. What comes easy to you? What are you naturally good at? Um, and identify what you're passionate about. And find where those connect. Because that's truly like where my life took off, is, is when my, my gift and my passion connected. Um, and take advantage of those internships. Um, that it's, 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 really, it's really powerful when you can get into something that you're really passionate about and then um, you just kind of take off. Okay. So I know that breakfast is getting 
finalized over there for our, our group of trustees here. Any final um, comments, challenges you want to put in front of, of these trustees and how they might bring back your insight to their communities? James, let me start with you. Yeah, um, I kind of view this as, we were kind of talking about the politicians. I go to my local politicians' roundtables, and it might be a politician that I support. And what I do is I raise my hand and I want to speak, and I'm going to challenge them. I know I'm going to hit them with a tough question. You know, I'll say, I respectfully, I'm respectfully saying this. So today, I just want to respectfully say to you guys, um, you know, you, this, you have done a great job up to this point. You know, I'm sitting here as a testament to the community college education um, and, and what can happen. But continue to be innovators. Continue to look at the wraparound services you're providing, because that touches me as an incarcerated, as a returning citizen, you know, her as a dreamer, we both benefit from those things. So do we have food pantries? Do we have mental health um, people on staff? Do we have safe places for our student body? You know, so I truly just continue to challenge you to continue to be innovative, like Dawn was saying this year. Um, be innovative, find that next new thing, be brave. You know, step out against society's standards because our students are brave. Your students are brave and they're stepping out. You might have a single mom who was raising three kids and wants to go to school again and she drops her job. You know, she deserves someone just as brave as she is. Um, so I just encourage you guys to take, you know, this bravery back, fight against the system. You know, you know what your students need um, and continue the great work because you are changing lives. And always remember that, that that's why you're here and you're changing lives and you have two testaments in front of you of what happens when you guys act. And thank you. Thank you, Claire. Well, I think you, you mentioned most of them, um, but just like having the resources available for students, um, I think uh, mental health is a big also component um, that not just students who are dreamers, um, but you know, um, students who are former incarcerated and other minorities suffer from that. Um, it's something that I feel like I wanna see more of and that's not, um, that's not really brought in. Um, I feel like um, there's a lot of pressure and um, a lot of mental health that are developing and that are increasing, and that these um, students who are minority really need those resources. So um, just identifying just um, the, the different helps that um, we need to provide those. Very good, thank you. So Claire, we wish you much success as a counselor, a college counselor, and in your graduate work, which you're embarking on. And James, you're still finishing your studies yes. um, with sites to DC. We've already had a talk about <laughs> getting connected there. Um, we'll hope to see you both at NLS if you can come out and be representatives. Um, and thank you all for being a great audience. If you have ideas for future episodes, don't hesitate to get in touch. We're always interested in what interests you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.